Welcome to Ghostman Radio Station, and tonight I am talking to Erica Maver, who is a long, lifelong teacher who struggled with emotional overeating, compulsive overexercising, and body dysmorphic disorder. As an embodiment educator, she guides people to feel better in and about their bodies. Adore your body transformational programs. Help overcome body images challenges. The Yoga Clinic of New York helps students, teachers, and health professionals to learn about empowered self care for the body. Erica is a recognized body image expert. A forest yoga lineage holder has also named one of the next generation's important yoga teachers by Yoga Journal. She writes for Mod. Mind Body Green on the topic of body image challenges is a regular columnist for Rivertown magazine and is a popular repeat interview on the Soul Feed podcast, Hay House Radio's Angel Club and many more. And she lives in New York City, which is in New York, America. And she's my guest today. Hi, Erica. How are you? I am great. How are you today? Hi. Now, obviously, when people look at your the emotional overeating, compulsive, overacting body dysmorphic disorder, I think most people can relate to that at some stage of their life, because as you know, the the image we get in the media is the body beautiful, whether you're man or woman. You have to be a certain size, you have to be a certain weight, and do you think that controls us a little bit? And that's why we get some disorders? Uh, I think it influences. Control might be a little... That might be a little... Uh, that maybe might be a little extreme. But definitely influences. And then, and then I think it depends on the person whether it moves into the realm of control. And certainly, you know, every, not everybody reacts to the images the same way. Right? Some people look at the images and they... And they're like, oh, my God, i got to look like that. And some people look at the images and they get depressed and they just don't do anything. <laughs> so, you know, not everybody does what I did. Not everybody becomes an emotional eater or, an, you know, uh, a compulsive over-exerciser. Um, the body dysmorphic disorder is, is a particular thing that I think, I think everybody has a little bit of a disconnect with how they see themselves and how they are. So I would say, I would call it like a subclinical disorder. It wasn't anything that I was, um, that I was like treated for, or hospitalized for, or anything like that. But I think that that's an existential uh, curiosity, how people see themselves versus how they're perceived. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have anything like this in your life? I, I, I've had a similar, when I was younger, I was quite, Thin. I was only about seven stone for a long, long time. I wish I had seven stone now, but <laughs> I could eat anything. And like, and obviously, till you get reached like a certain age, and you gain weight. It's just a strange thing, isn't it? I'm nearly sixty now, but I don't even try to do exercise as such. Probably not as much as I should. But then I think as long as you're doing something, it's better than nothing. story is very is 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 the story of kind of human biology from a certain age to a certain age you grow up 
right? All of the calories you're taking in are dedicated to growing up. <laughs> and then after that age, you're dedicated to just sustaining you or maybe you grow out. But I also think, um, you know, exercise is, is a particular funny, we have a funny relationship with exercise. And I would hope that, you know, as a man near 60, that, that your relationship with whatever movement you do would be to, to be in service of the health of your, your changing body. And that's pretty much what I try to teach people. When I try to teach people to feel better in or about their bodies, part of that is how do you actually take care of it in a way that feels nurturing, supporting, uh, flexible, right? Because what worked for you in your 20s probably isn't going to work for you in your 40s. And what worked for you in your 40s probably isn't going to work for you in your 60s. So it has to be flexible because as you change, you change. And so, you know, the over-exercising thing is something you can do when you're young, but harder to sustain as you get older, have less energy, more responsibilities. You know, I was young, so I had plenty of time to over-exercise. But, um, but I hope that, you know, you, what, what's your relationship with movement? Um, I was pretty good up to a certain age when I got, I accidentally, a car um, wing mirror hit my hand and it jarred it in my neck, which ended me causing getting dizzy spells and being very unbalanced in my in my um, my feet and that. And I, I, I walk with a crutch to help my balance. But I try to do ah. like, like, I have done like karate before to improve it. And I do try to do basic karate as anti- to keep it m my movement up uh-huh it's not perfect but I know I know my limitations I don't push beyond a certain limit mm-hmm yeah well I mean that's that's a very interesting story so how old were you when you were hit by the car oh it must have been about in my near my, near my about 35 36 out of all Okay, so it's, it's about a little bit less than half of your life ago. Yeah. So that probably changed the nature of your relationship to movement and exercise a lot, I imagine. Yeah, it, 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 it sort of makes you wary, but I, I've, but I think as long as I am wary, it, it, it's that safety valve, and you're thinking, oh, don't push that a little bit too much. Mr. Rock, you've done a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that the voice that speaks to you in? <laughs> now, what got you into um, to, um, yoga and um, dealing with um, empowering people with their bodies and that, Erica? Well, I had adult-onset migraine headaches in my mid-20s. And so I became ill um, very quickly, kind of overnight. And I was told at the time, this is about 20 years ago, I was told at the time that, you know, that yoga would help me. Yoga could help me. Because, you know, the, the common wisdom is that yoga will help with stress and anxiety, which it does if you, if you do it right, if you do the, if you do the right kind of yoga. 
And that the notion was that probably that I was stressed or anxious or something, and that was like contributing my headaches. So I started doing yoga, and you know I came to yoga with a problem to solve. And I think a lot of people do come to yoga with a problem to solve. And my problem was was these headaches. And so I was looking for some kind of remediation, some kind of intervention. And as you know, when you're as you know, when you're sick or when you're injured, it pulls you into a very different relationship with your body than you have when you're feeling well or, or able. And so this started to highlight for me all the ways that I was terrible to my body, all the ways that I was cruel or vicious, for instance, starving it or over-exercising it or not giving it enough rest. And I started to see that these things have real outcomes. You know, so, so as I took some time, many years, exploring my own relationship with my body and discovering that not only did I mistreat it, but I also didn't respect it as an entity that possesses its own wisdom, these realizations shifted the way that I think about doing yoga, think about teaching yoga, think about um, how people relate to their health and well-being. And it led to me writing the book. I like the title. It's a little bit long. I'll admit that. <laughs> but, hey. <laughs> I mean, I, I, um, so what made you write the book, Your Body, Your Best Friend, and the confidence crushing pursuit around realistic beauty standards embrace your true power. What made me write it? Yeah. Oh, well, um, I wanted to share what I had learned through my path of being ill with migraines and, and uh, coming into a different relationship with my body and everything that I had learned. I wanted to share it. Because the only way that people can learn from me right now is if they, if they take yoga with me. But if they read the book, they have an opportunity to learn from me, even if they're not able to take yoga with me. Now, if, as, as I know it's mostly aimed at women and such, but I, I am a great believer that we can all learn from each other. You know, that's my philosophy. Anyway, so if I was to read your book, um, how would that, Infant, would it? Ha, what would they gain from it? Would what would you I, you think I would achieve by gaining from reading your book from um you, like your your ideas? Well, the the promise of the book is kind of wrapped up in the title, like your body, your best friend. You would gain a, a friendship, right? Instead of an an a a strained relationship. Most people have a strained relationship with their bodies. And then, you know, end the confidence-crushing pursuit of unrealistic beauty standards. You would stop spending your time, wasting your time, uh, pursuing some sort of standard of beauty, as you said at the beginning, you know, that we're fed through media, that basically ends up being a waste of time and energy and money. And then the last piece of the title is, and embrace your true power, you would find yourself. A lot of people never really find themselves 
because they bypass this part of themselves. You can't like be like, oh, I want to own a house, but not that room. <laughs> you know, when you buy a house, you get all the rooms. You can think of your body like a house. Like you got to, you got to take all the rooms of the house. You can't be like, ah, but not that one. So what I hear people looking for is freedom, confidence. And freedom and confidence translate to things like what would you do with your life? You'd go for that job. You'd ask that person out. You'd do the activities now that you think that you need to do later. You'd buy a certain item of clothing and wear it now. That's what you'd get. Now, a lot of people don't fully understand yoga because obviously when people talk about yoga, they seem to, for some weird and bizarre reason, go to the Beatles because they think of the era when Harry Krishna and, and I keep trying to say, no, it was long before then. <laughs> it's a, it's, it, 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 it bases it is to, I believe I've got this right, for the body and the mind to join together as one when you do the exercises. Well, this is interesting, right? Because you're, you're, you're talking about yoga from a British perspective, and I, I have a different perspective as an American on what, what the misperceptions are when people think about yoga. And so that was very enlightening for me that, that people in, in your sphere think of the, 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 the Beatles. <laughs> people in my sphere think about, I don't know what they think about, lots of different things. But I mean, kind of the notion that, that your body and your mind don't go together is, is silly. Like, where is your mind anyway? Right? How could they possibly be separated? Right? Like, where does your mind exist if not in your body? But, you know, if you're asking me what is the purpose of yoga or what is what what yoga is is, is that what you're asking me yeah well yeah just in case there's somebody in there out there that doesn't know <laughs> as such okay well um uh so so i'm gathering that you're gonna edit this yes is that is that what's happening here i tend to keep it as it is so don't worry just okay yoga as a practice for connecting to your body. So how do you connect to your body, right? Uh, there are many different ways to do it, but, but to have a practice of it is a very specific thing, right? A practice means that you do it steadily, repeatedly over time. It's not a thing you do now and then. It's not a thing you do here and there. And mostly we don't have any sort of practice for connecting to our body. Exercise is a great way to move your body pleasurably, potentially, or for some people, unpleasurably, but a practice specifically designed for connecting to your body, we don't have a lot of those. And so I would say that yoga is like a mindfulness-based practice of movement. And yes, if you want to connect your mind and your body, because they exist in one space together, but they do create a split, the thing that tethers them is the breath. And so any yoga that you, that you go looking for, if you're looking for this mind-body connection, I would look for one that is very, very focused on the breath. I like the fact that you've intertwined different isms, like Buddhism, 
terrorism, shamanism, which are basically similar in a few ways when you actually look into deep into the actual philosophies. Because basically teaching you, you know, that, and I think I'm right with Buddhism, that if you tread on an ant, the, the theory is that ant will, that ant had a life, and therefore you destroyed a life or something similar to that. So, what's the question? I'm just, I'm just saying that I like the fact that you've combined the the theories oh. between Buddhism, Taoism, and uh, Shainism in in the book. Yeah. So, well, thank you. I'm glad that you like that. Um, they're they are representative of all of the the teachers that I've had. You know. So I think that it that Buddhism and yoga kind of at least in the United States. Are, are are entwined a little bit. And Taoism, specifically, I've learned about Taoism from one of my very long-time teachers who actually teaches me um, business. Actually, we talk about business with regards to, we think about it in a Taoist perspective. And then finally, shamanism really comes out of forest yoga. Um, forest yoga is the, the lineage that I... I'm a, I'm, a lineage, I'm, I'm a lineage holder within, and my teacher, her name is Anna Forrest, and she would never self-identify as a shaman, but definitely um, there are strong elements of it there. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's all of my background, and I just pulled it together and put it in one place. I like the fact on your website, E-R-I-C-A-M-A-T-H-E-R.com, You've got a lot of free stuff. I love. I like a person that's willing to share lots of free stuff because it. it yes. I think that's important. I. I mean, I. It says adore your body, tally, tally summits. I think I might have said that wrong. You said it perfectly. Tally summit. Yeah. But I like it with your your, your pronunciation. It's like. Instead of television, it's the telly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I like I like a website because you you've got it very informative that you do remote le- learning and obviously in person learning, and you do classes obviously uh, to do with your yoga. What form of yoga do you practice? It's called forest yoga. My teacher, her name is Anna Forest. Um, I also teach vinyasa, which is kind of like a a general term. It's sort of a catch-all term for uh, a, a kind of yoga that moves with the breath. So say someone was thinking, oh, I might try a bit of yoga. I've never done yoga before. Would you recommend that to sort of like start gently and watch a couple of your videos or actually go on to... So you do like an online class or such? If someone were new to yoga, yes. I would recommend them start gently. I would also recommend that, especially if they have any injuries or any health concerns, that they perhaps invest in a few private sessions with someone who specializes in those sorts of things. Because most yoga teachers are not trained properly to address the injuries and the health concerns of the people in front of them. 
So part of what I do as a yoga therapist is help people who are injured or ill or getting older, like we all are together, and help them address those issues using yoga, but also so that they know how to modify their practice so if they were to go to a general class, that they were would be able to keep themselves safe in a classroom setting. So if someone's new to yoga, I think it really depends on the person. If you're like a runner and you have no injuries and you're new to yoga, you could probably go to a general class pretty safely. But if you're a person with some injuries or some illnesses or some health concerns or you're pregnant, you should definitely invest in a few private sessions just to get a handle on that and understand what you need to do to address those things within the context of yoga. I think that's a good recommendation, Erica. I'm glad you said that because lots of people don't do that. <laughs> they just say, step in and I think, well, no, if I were to go, in, to go weight training, if I had done it for like years on and off, I wouldn't go straight away lifting 100 pounds sort of thing and then do my back in. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I think that people think that yoga is, I mean, that yoga is uh, just an easy thing to enter into. Like, I'm just going to go for a walk, you know? It's like, well, actually, there is some skill and there are some things that you should watch out for. So, yeah, I think, I think making an educated entry is always a good plan, especially with something you don't know a lot about. Get an expert. Get that person to show you the ropes a little bit before you go any farther. And then decide if it's for you or what direction you should take. And um, obviously, do you um, have like a, a YouTube channel where people can watch any form of yoga you do or do you just do it remotely? I do have a YouTube channel. Yeah, you can go search for me and actually there are there are six 10-minute videos on my YouTube channel, and they are, they are forest yoga. And they're, each 10-minute video is designed to stand alone, but they also go together one after the other in a series. So you can look at them and decide, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do some floor stretches and some pranayama? Do you want to do some core work? Like, so you can look at them and, and decide, or you could do 60 minutes that's the way it works. I also have, I have other videos online, but I think they're, they're through subscription services. So yeah, it's best to go search me on, on YouTube and find my videos that way. It's just Erica Mather, E-R-I-C-A-M-A-T-H-E-R. No, I just thought I mentioned it because sometimes people might not be able, they might not want to look at something, they might want to look at it first before they commit. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, yeah. Because as you say, once you go on, on, I find if you go on the road to exercise, a lot of exercise, don't take this the wrong way, but every exercise I've done, it becomes boring after a while because it, it's the same old, same old. It's only a variations, you know what I mean? I don't mean that insultingly. <laughs> I just, it's just me, I find that. But I find if I have my mind set that day, that I've got nothing troubling me and I'm not in a bad mood or anything. I'm okay. I'm, if I'm calm, I can do quite good. But when I'm not calm or I've got something troubling me and niggling me, suddenly the, the exercise I used to find really easy comes very hard. 
So that we said before, it just proves how much the mind is linked to the body, and vice versa. I don't know where you'd be putting that mind. Where could it be, possibly? I mean, do you have a little lockbox where you just store your mind <laughs> outside of your body? Yeah, it's just a weird thing because it's only now that lots of sportsmen, I've noticed uh, I, I'm a fan of their uh, strongman, and a lot of them are going into the psychological world now as well. They're actually looking at psychologists to improve their mindset when they're doing events. So they say they come like second to last. They go, well, the next event, you go better. You improve yourself and don't just go from one to the other. Don't worry about what you could get. Just work on what you're doing now. Well, that's very good uh, advice. Just work on what you're doing now because the only thing you have is what's happening right now. So might as well not worry about what would happen tomorrow or the day after, but focus on now. I think your book would be, and I know you probably printed it before the pandemic. I, I think you did. Say that again? Did you print your book before the pandemic took, took place? Oh, well, I, no, it was released April 2020. So it was like right at the very beginning, <laughs> right at the very beginning of the pandemic. I was just saying, if I wonder if people dipped into your book when they was having a confidence of crisis. Because, as you know, um, I call it the pandemic blues. Everybody's suddenly this, re- the, the reality of their life has crashed. Whatever reality is or what normality is, it's, that's up to debate. But suddenly they, they, they imploded in themselves. And like you said, because your book's about gaining confidence and realizing your own potential, I wonder if people dipped into your book thinking, oh, I could read this to get back to a, a better normality. exactly why people read my book um, but I think that during the pandemic it was a great time to read it actually because as you mentioned you know the, the, the reality was broken so but the reality is always kind of a a mutable thing right what's reality I don't know so I think that the book, in many ways, addresses what you think is real and how you can decide how you want to direct your life. The book, in many ways, is about how we submit to societal norms versus how we can resist them and create our own path. So I I think the pandemic was a great time to read the book, but I do think that it, it is provoking in many ways. And and sometimes people, when they are feeling blues, the blues, they, they want something to take that away. They don't necessarily want to go deeper into it. And so I think there is a certain amount of, like, looking for relief, right? And, and if, if it was clear to you this book is going to provide relief, then they'd read it. And if it wasn't clear that the book was going to provide relief, then maybe not. That's why I like books, and that's why I like talking to authors, because uh, I like to understand the principles behind why and 
they wrote a book. Because people think it's really easy to write a book. Until they actually... Well, some people do. Until they actually write a book. And they're thinking, oh my God, it's a lot harder than they thought. Yeah, suddenly coming up with words and chapters and it has to make sense. <laughs> you know, it can't be a gobbledygook. No, it cannot. And if, you, and if you're working with a publisher and not self-publishing, it certainly cannot be gobbledygook. I mean, my publisher was a very, very, they were very hard on me, but very supportive at the same time. <laughs> Which is why I, you know, I think if you can find a publisher, work with them because they'll make your book much better. If people self-publish, if you self-publish, you should hire an editor for sure. Don't just think that you're going to write something and put it up and sell it. Chances are very slim that you will. I write. Well, I publish books, self-publish, but I write as a sort of semi-vanity project, and anybody likes them, I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm not. I'm never oh, going to be a millionaire, and that's the way. It, I've done, I, oh, I've, no. I've done a lot of um, no. things on Smashwords, and I've got I I technically sold two hundred books on that. I think I sold four books on Amazon, so that's not too bad. That's great. Yeah, I mean, if if you can do it, do it absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Have you got Is any you more plans? Erica, have you got any more plans in the future? Well, how do you see yourself five years from now? How do I see myself five years from now? I think that it is very hard to craft a vision at the moment. Uh, very hard to craft a vision at the moment. But I think that we're all in a collective sort of page turn or reevaluation. Um, so, how do I see? myself in five years I see myself as having a lot of fun and whatever I'm doing for fun and pleasure that that is uh, that that is activating my professional life do I see other books in my future maybe I have other ideas for other books um, do I see myself teaching yoga yes probably a little bit I would like to do a lot more speaking so, you know, if anybody has would like me to speak at their library or at their school or something like that, I'm very interested in that. And, um, and beyond that, you know, I am just working to the, I'm working for the vision of the end of the summer. I can see myself at the end of the summer. That's about how far I've got. <laughs> I'm not trying to dodge the question. I'm just, no, I just thought I'd ask it because... It, it, it's a good question to ask because I sometimes think, where would I be in five years' time? And you don't know because, as you said, because of the conditions in life as it is, and we didn't know what was going to happen last year and into this year, and how much it was going to guide us and influence us. And yeah, I don't know. As long as I'm quite happy and content, and I do like to do what I like to do, and I'm, I, mean, I think there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, isn't that really the point? That's sort of the point of life. But I also feel like, as I was looking back over some like um, some correspondence with students and asking them where they would see themselves in a year, and this was like 2019, they all universally were having a hard time with that. And so I think that when you're having a hard time with it, it means that there is 
something that's sort of blocking your own vision of that. And, you know, in retrospect, looking at that correspondence of 2019, of course they couldn't see into 2020. Who could see into 2020? Nobody saw into 2020, right? So the the notion, like, I mean, I think if anything, like the pandemic taught me, just like one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, pay attention to today, take care of what you have now, make sure you're enjoying yourself right now, and, and everything else will fall in place. Because really, the future is built on today. The future is built on now. So if you take care of now, whatever's coming for you will be good. Well, Erica, please mention where people can find anything to do with Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my website is www.ericamather.com. And as aforementioned, there's remote learning. There's free stuff. Um, My... my, um, my website is a little sparse on the remote learning uh, aspects. I teach a lot of live stream classes right now, which actually many Brits come to, and even people as far as Switzerland and Germany have been coming to my live streams. So they, they're at a time that works uh, for, for all y'all. And, um, yeah, and if, you, if you, any of your listeners want to direct me, want to contact me directly, there's a form on my website. You're more than welcome to reach out to me through. And the book should be available in the UK. I've been seeing that students in Spain have got it, and Germany have got it. So it's coming. It's coming to you. <laughs> and if not, you can always go on Amazon US. and Or uh, uh, is your book on Kindle? It should be, yeah. Yeah, they can always, they're, they're, down, they're absolutely downloadable. Yeah, yeah they can download it onto Kindle. Yeah. I mean, well, we'd be without Kindle nowadays. I mean, what happened to the good old-fashioned read-a-book book? But, hey. <laughs> I actually don't own a Kindle. And the other day I was just thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if I should own a Kindle. I wonder if that would make this easier. But I do like books. I like holding them. I like the way they smell. I like the cover art. Yeah, I like turning a page actually with my hand <laughs> you know when we biohack everything we really detach from our bodies so be careful be careful with your fitbit be careful with all your apps sometimes just put it down and go climb a mountain you know yeah. erica this is a bit i always ask the guest the following question erica what is your unique sign off bye for now well that's pretty unique and mine for you, Erica, are you ready? Yes. I talked to Erica Maver today. I think I said her name, her last name correct. I hope so anyway. I'm going to look out for a book, Your Body, Your Best Friend, End the Confidence Crushing Pursuit of Unrealistic Beauty Standards and the Breach Your True Power. This is a bit of a mouthful for to say in one breath, but hey, that's just me. And what will I gain from seeing reading this book? Well, you'll gain a better sense of you empowering yourself because that's what we need. That's what we are. If we can't be a better person, then who can we not be? You can't stay in the past. We can only move in the future like waves on a beach. They come in, they go out. And that is life as we live it. So please look up her website. As well, this is www. 
E-R-I-C-A-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. She's also available on YouTube. Please look her up and look at her great videos. And if you ever read her book, I have given it a five-star recommendation, which I always do anyway, because if someone comes on my show, I'm grateful for them to come on. And that is the end of that. And thank you, Erica, for being on my show. Thank you so much, Mark, and thanks to everyone who is listening to Ghostman Radio Station today. I really appreciate you being here and listening all the way to the end.